The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Phil Golfy with Remax the Golfy team. Filling in for Rob, but welcome to the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition with host Rick Zamperin. Yes, good morning. You're listening to 900 CHML. Pleased to have the one and only Phil Golfie back on the show. Phil, it's been a long time. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, Rick. Happy to be back here. Um, and a little bit of a hiatus, but but happy to be back in the in the hot seat talking talking real estate. So there's uh, there's nothing better. Got some cool topics to uh, talk about today, but I want to refresh everyone's uh, memories and our listeners uh, of note who are new to the show. There is uh, a real estate company in town that just happens to be the number one REMAX team in Canada, and that is the Golfie team. And if you want to get your house sold or you're in the market to buy a house, you got to call that number one REMAX team in this country, the Golfie team, 905-575-7700 online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. If you want a sneak peek of what they're all about, check out their social feeds, whether it's TikTok or X, Facebook, Instagram threads. They're all over the social media game with some cool content. And you can also send them an email if you have a topic idea or a question you want addressed on a future program. You can send them an email. That address is questions at robgolfie.com. We'll begin the day with the story I know you want to share about a woman named Sharon. So what's going on with Sharon? Yeah, so um, Sharon Sharon is a real estate representative on our team. She's actually one of our, our longest tenured agents on our team. Okay. And and we she 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 sold this house to a Toronto buyer, this specific house or or this house that I'm gonna talk about. She showed it she she sold it to a Toronto buyer who was represented by someone else about three, three years ago. Okay. Um, and, and, and so what happened was this, you know, this Toronto buyer has now is now looking to, to sell. Okay. And, and so, so they called Sharon back and said, you know, you, you, you're familiar with the house, you sold it to us. Um, but you know, Sharon was representing the, the, the seller at the time and, and these people bought through through another agent. So, Fast forward three years, they said, well, you're familiar with the house. We want you to come back in and give us an updated market evaluation. We're thinking of selling. This is, uh, you know, we want to hear your opinion and, and, and uh, we want to hear what you have to say. So Sharon shows up to this appointment and she can kind of feel an uncomfortableness and, and uneasiness in terms of who, who she was sitting with at the table. And hmm. Um, you know, she asked who she thought was the seller. Says who, you know, who are these other people that are at the table? And, and the and the seller says, oh, they're they're just friends. You know, don't worry about them. They're just friends. They're just here to help me. Mm. And and Sharon can feel some, you know, like I said, you know, a little bit anxious, a little bit uncomfortableness. She said it just wasn't her, you know, a, a traditional type of real estate appointment or or you know, home evaluation, which we go on every single day, right? People call us in and, and ask us, you know, the values of their homes and, and we'll go and sit with them at the table and go on a tour of their house. And she just said it, it felt, it felt really different. So after that appointment, Sharon follows up with these prospective sellers and says, you know, let me know if you have any questions. I'm here to help. Um, is there any questions about the details that I provided and ghosted, right? <laughs> no response from, from these 
prospective sellers. So fast forward, you know, another week, this listing hits the market. Mm. The listing hits the market with our old real estate photos from three years ago when we sold the house. <laughs> no way. Right? So they used our photos from three years ago. And the people that were at the listing appointment who she thought were the prospective sellers were, were actually real estate agents from Toronto. No. The people that she went to go meet with were licensed agents from Toronto that had called us in from, from our, called our office, called us in for an opinion on the sale of their property, our licensed real estate agents who ended up listing the home under their name. Wow. And, 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 and it's on MLS. So yeah, just, you know, I mean, obviously when other agents are calling us in to, 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 to hear our opinion on their real estate investment property or real estate. I mean, I mean, that's a feather in our cap. We're super excited for that. But when you don't disclose that you are a, a real estate representative, licensed real estate representative that is working, it's super frustrating. And, and it's actually, you know, I, I believe it's against, you know, the real estate, the, the, the real estate code of ethics in, in terms of what, what we're working under. So, yeah, kind of a, a weird, weird story that, that just kind of came out last week. And, um, you know, it's happened to us before, but a lot of the times the people will, will say, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent and I, I'm working in Toronto, but this is one of my investment properties here or there. And, you know, I'm looking for help on it. This is something that these people tried to cover up and hide. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just... It's just not not a very good situation. What, what what are your thoughts on that, Rick? I have all kinds of thoughts on this. Number one, this is all kinds of shady. I mean, that is that mm -hmm. is downright despicable. But here here are some of the questions I have. Well, maybe we'll start with this. Is is there any? Why would they do this? What, what is the motive for these Toronto agents who are again licensed to sell homes in Toronto now in Hamilton and that and obviously asking for your help in a very conniving way, what are they getting out of it other than the information that you're providing? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what they're looking for. That, that's they're it, they're yeah. looking for information. That's it. They're just, they're, they're looking for access to information. They're looking for opinion and they're looking for, um, you know, that, that from my understanding is, 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 you know, they're looking for marketing strategy. They're looking for analytics. They're looking for, current market trends and market, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Because when you're, when you're not working in a market, you don't, you don't have a pulse on what's going on in the market. Right. right? And especially in today's market, it's, it's, it's changing ever so fastly. So, you know, for a team like us, we, we carry tons of listings We're we're highly transactional. We feel like we have a very good pulse on the market, but why not just call and ask for an opinion or, or, or be upfront and honest about the situation that you're in instead of being, you know, completely dishonest, shady, um, unethical would be some other words to describe it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, make someone feel very uncomfortable in, in that type of situation in, in, in terms of this, this process. Um, and then beyond that, you know, basically use someone else's property in terms of listing photos. It was just the, the entire thing was just, you know, completely unbelievable. Um, and, and like I said before, there's been other agents that have reached out to us in terms of selling investment properties or selling personal properties that have been from out of area, but they've been upfront and honest and we've, we've worked with them, but, but it's been a, 
you know, a really, you know, this has been a first for, for us in, yeah. in terms of that type of situation. So here's the follow-up to the original question I asked and why, you know, what's the motive for them to do this? When, when this normally occurs, is there a cost that this, you know, real estate agent would pay to, let's just say, the golfy team to say, hey, can I steal some of your analytics? Can I get some of the market stats? Can I get some of the experience that you have on the team to chime in on what I'm thinking for this property? Is there a cost to that? And were, were these guys um, wanting to kind of sidestep that? Yeah, big time. That's exactly what their their intention was. I mean, when we when we go out for market evaluations, obviously we want to earn, you know, someone's business. This person is thinking of either selling immediately in three months and five months and a year from now, and we're going to come in there and give them our valued opinion, our professional opinion, based on the best strategy in terms of how to sell their home, and and you know what most people are interested in is how much it's worth. Is is that's what we get all the time? Is how much my home's worth? Yeah. And in these people, they were interested in all the same information that any prospective seller would be interested in, but they had no intention of, of, you know, working with us. And not only that, they have, they had every intention of, of just being, you know, lying to us and, and being unscrupulous and being shady. So it's, um, you know, it, 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 it's just a weird, weird, weird situation, a weird dynamic. And, and I feel sorry for Sharon to, to, to had to have been in that position and, and be in that situation. It was just a, a really unfair type of, of meeting for her. Um, and, and obviously it's something that we hope, you know, if there's, if there's discipline or if there's something that, you know, to, to something to prevent it from happening in the future and, and, and other realtors doing, you know, something similar. It was just the entire thing was just, you know, completely upside down. Absolutely. So does this issue now go to the Real Estate Council of Ontario? I I think I'm not sure what, what our next action steps will be. I I um I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't um in, in terms of at least get reported mm-hmm. uh to them on, on, on that type of situation. It, it it was just the entire thing. If you're a licensed real estate rep, a licensed real estate representative you have to disclose whether you're buying or selling a property to anyone, right? I just, I just purchased a house. Every single time I'm either buying or selling real estate, I have to let the other person know, the other parties know that I am a licensed real estate representative. And that goes for anyone in this industry. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if, if and, and, and it goes for, even if you're working with somebody who's related to you. For example, if I'm selling my parents' property, if I'm selling my brother's property, I have to notify the, both the buyers and the buyer's agent that I am licensed and I am representing my brother. And I think that's, that's a fair rule yeah. um, within our industry. I think, I think it's, it should be fully disclosed to, to anyone and everyone. And, and, and that's, that's what we're looking for. That's, that's all we're looking for. We've got another minute in this segment as yourself, a reputable licensed real estate uh, representative. Do you feel somewhat betrayed or, I mean, because they're, they're using your stuff that you've worked hard to get and would have been eagerly, you know, uh, happy to share this information coming from another, you know, unscrupulous real estate agent. Let's just call a spade a spade. It's going to feel somewhat like a, like a slap in the face. Like, come on guys, what's going on? Big time. The, 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 the betrayal word used. Fits, fits this situation and scenario perfectly. But yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's, um, you feel cheated, you feel betrayed, you yeah. feel lied to. Um, it, it's just not a very good feeling overall. And, and you know, it, it, it just, it's just too bad. It's a, it's a, a, it's a little black cloud over the situation. And 
um, and something that we're, we're super disappointed about. So like I said, it's, it's, you know, something that will be reported to Rico and, um, and, and we'll, we'll be interested to see what they say about it and, and what the, what the results will be. Um, you know, and, you know, we just, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen again to, to anyone, but, but it's it just, yeah. Disappointing, betrayed are, are all different different types of adjectives as, as, as how you can distri- uh, describe it. One thing's for sure, Sharon's BS meter is working because <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she uh, got a wind of it and uh, she didn't like the situation, that is for sure. Uh, when we come back, we're going to dive into the wide world of tiny homes and are they the future of real estate? A whole lot more still to come here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. You're listening to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Phil Golfy, sales representative, Remax, Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Check them out on the World Wide Web. RobGolfy.com is the website to go to to get your house sold or if you're in the market to buy a house, RobGolfy.com. You can call the number one Remax team in Canada. That is the Golfy team, 905 575 7700. That's 905 905- Five seven five seven seven zero zero, and you can follow them on TikTok, Facebook, Threads, X, Instagram. If it's on social media, the Golfy team is dominating that space as well. Also, you can also go to uh, GolfyHomeValue.com for an instant home estimate. That website again is GolfyHomeValue.com. Plug in a couple of uh, digits and more information. You'll get a pretty good understanding of what your house could go for on the open market. Well, you've seen this on TV, I'm sure, and maybe even in your neighborhood. I don't know, but it's tiny homes and they seem to be in terms of house pricing, house accessibility, especially for first-time home buyers a really good first step and a good investment for many when it comes to getting into the market. Phil, I'm sure you've seen your fair share of tiny homes, whether it's on, you know, a a piece of farmland in the community where there's a lot of space and they're easily built upon those lands or in, you know, a suburban setting where people are adding these uh, tiny homes, maybe to a backyard if it's big enough, or if it's a laneway house, your thoughts on tiny homes. Is it the future? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Rick. Um, you know, as as we've seen in, in in recent history, the 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 zoning bylaws in our municipalities continue to be challenged every single day. Um, and and these tiny homes are are often a, a hot topic of, you know, uh, you know another way or an option to affordable housing and, and more housing in, in terms of what we need and what's going on in our current environment. Um, the way I see tiny homes, you know. Dirt is still expensive, no matter what way we put it, right? And these tiny homes will have to go somewhere, um, some way, somehow. So, you know, it, it, unless you, you own a piece of a, a real estate already, it's very difficult to get into the market and, 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 and buy a tiny home, right? And, and have to put it somewhere. Right. So, you know, that barrier to entry in terms of, of buying a tiny home for someone to live in, um, for the first-time home buyer, or for the person who who is looking for an affordable option to real estate, they have to put it somewhere. And and when it comes to financing, if you're going to go buy a lot for this, 
Well, the financing on a lot is much more difficult to get than financing on a traditional home. For example, if you if you say if you find a lot for two hundred or or one hundred and fifty thousand, you know the bank isn't willing to give you that money, right? You you you'd only get maybe twenty percent financing on that, uh, in comparison to to only having to put five percent or ten percent down on on a traditional home. So, um, you know, the tiny homes are are going to be popular. But in my opinion, they're going to be popular for the real estate investor. Um, they're going to be popular for the person who wants to put in a laneway home or put in a home in their, in their backyard and add another suite or somebody who has a cottage and is looking to maximize their investment potential and, and add maybe two or three to their property and, and turn them into Airbnbs. Um, so the, the way I see these tiny homes working is, is, is it's more attractive to to the real estate investor looking to maximize their profitability in comparison to being attractive to the first time home buyer uh, looking for housing affordability. Um, if somebody has fifty thousand dollars, right, and and you know the the you know one one of the the highlights in this article is that, you know it's a huge cost advantage. It's you know fifty thousand dollars for a tiny home mm-hmm. in comparison to five hundred thousand dollars to you know a traditional traditional home or or condo. But that person who has fifty thousand dollars is is you know they go buy a tiny home. It's like you know where where are you going to put it? Now you need to to find a a place to put it. You need to hook up sewers. You need to hook up water. You need so there's there's more additional costs that go into that. Whereas if you have fifty thousand dollars for a down payment, you can get you know if you, if you're working, you can get approved for a mortgage, and the bank would be willing to lend you the rest of the money, right? So it, 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 in terms of these tiny homes, like I said, I I think it fits the investor who, who would be willing to put it on, on certain properties, um, given, you know, where the municipal zoning bylaws go and be able to rent it out. And, and maybe that brings us more housing affordability in terms of rentals and units and, and access to that. But in comparison to, to, you know, a, a person who's looking for housing affordability to get into the market, I don't think this fits their framework or, or checks their boxes in terms of being able to get into the market. So, um, you know, very unique. I, I, I think they've caught the attention of a lot of people given their, their exposure um, and, and exposure HGTV and articles like this where mm-hmm. they, they do get a lot of uh, attention that way. And there's a lot of tiny home companies that are popping up. I know we have one in Grimsey that, that's right off the highway. And, and we, you know, I was on their website. I saw this article come out and I went right to their website and they're quite attractive. Like they're, they look like very functional living spaces and, and they're, they're done up really well. And, um, you know, they, even in comparison to like, you know, you know, those RVs and, and trailers, how they all like, you know, they expand out and it's, you know, it's, it's really nice. They're really nice places to live. So, um, you know, they're super attractive, but, but in the end, they still need somewhere to be and they still need somewhere to go. And, 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 you know, the cost of dirt continues to rise and, and is, uh, is expensive. Let me ask you this, and I'll, I'll preface my comments by pointing to a recent survey that was done by the Canadian Real Estate Association that said 30% of millennials view tiny homes as a viable first-time investment. And that's probably true when you're looking at the price point and, and the cost comparatives. Is there, and you mentioned the company in Grimsby, is there a company, or maybe it doesn't even exist yet, that is going to say to itself, listen, we're going to build a whole subdivision of tiny homes. This is going to be your first entry point into the market kind of community. 
Uh, it, maybe it's a seniors kind of community where, you know, they want to downsize. And here's a great, here's a great way to downsize. You got a tiny yeah. home is for, from a development standpoint. I know you referenced the cost of dirt and that, that is hundred percent accurate. Would it be, would it be cost prohibitive for a developer to build a bunch of tiny homes as opposed to that same lot building single family homes or, you know, some, some townhomes or row houses? Would that be more cost prohibitive building a bunch more tiny homes? Yeah, we just haven't seen it done yet, right? right. And, I, and I think for for a developer who who's looking at this scenario is in terms of their their they want profitability, they want to maximize their investment. Yeah. Um, would would they have a better opportunity uh, in terms of cost to to build a you know seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar detached home or a million dollar detached home in comparison to a fifty thousand dollar tiny home, right? Um, I think I think it, it, it takes someone to jump in and do it first um, before we see more people doing it. But uh, would I be surprised if we saw an entire subdivision of tiny homes in in the new future? No, I wouldn't be surprised. I think there there's there's areas where this could work, um, but but I think it would have to be turned more into a rental environment in comparison to the end user that's buying them, um, and then having to go out and look for. Uh, a spot to put it. So though the way I see it, it working is, is, you know, if a developer or an investor had, had a plot of land, they would be able to go out and, and maybe buy 20, 30, 40 homes and put them all there, but turn into a landlord and be, be someone who would be renting them out at a super cost effective rate uh, to be attractive to, to people that are looking for, for lower rent. So I, I think that would be an opportunity, but it, it you know, it would be the, the where I see this happening. It, it it would be difficult to to picture it in in our city, Hamilton. Um, but I think in you know some of the northern areas or or some of the more remote um, rural areas, I think this would you know could be an option for uh, for developers and for for investors. Well, one of the things I thought of too, and not necessarily the traditional tiny home, but I know Elon Musk has his uh, modular house company, housing company down in the U.S. And obviously, it's a little, a little bit different if you're living in basically, let's just call it, a, you know, a, a train-sized car uh, that they would see on a, on a train. Uh, it's not as, you know, not as pretty in terms of what another tiny home would look like. And, you know, maybe a bunch of them might be a little bit of an eyesore. And from a development standpoint, you know, the ROI is probably not going to be as great as, you know, the setting that you laid out. If a developer is building, I don't know, 50 you know, $750,000 homes as opposed to 75, $100,000 yeah. homes. We know yeah. which way the developer is going to go. Yeah. But what about this? Like, like there's raw land right now that's just not being used for anything. Mm-hmm. And and maybe this land is, you know, whether it's waiting to be turned into development land or, you know, used to like, like there's a ton of raw land out there that, that just has no, no current use. And it's not even farmland. So what about if, if these, you know, these types of homes are able to be placed there until, until there's a future use that whether it's development or what have you for that specific piece of land. I think it's a great solution for that, mm-hmm. right? Where, where, where this, you know, specific developer might be waiting on zoning, might be waiting on a pr- or whatever. Right. And, and we've seen, you know, all the red tape and it, it's been highly talked about and, and highly analyzed in terms of buying a piece of raw land. And by the time it gets to the point where there's a shovel going in the ground could be 15, 20 years in some cases. Well, 
if we can, if there's a way to, to use that land and, and this might be an option for them where they're creating housing um, on future development land that will eventually be turned into maybe detached houses or townhouses or condos, but at least it's being used for something in the meantime. I think that could be a sustainable option um, and, 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 you know, for, for, for people and, and it'll help housing affordability. In the same sense, because there might be some people listening out there right now thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to see a tiny home neighborhood, uh, in my neighborhood, right? Like this, this might be a bit of an eyesore. And that leads me into, you know, the, everyone wants to see someone in a house. I don't think anyone is against, you know, not having that option. Right. But there is nimbyism at play, right? Let's, let's build a bunch more duplexes and triplexes and, you know, multi-unit homes for individuals. But a lot of polls say that while a lot of Canadians want to see these increased density projects, they don't want them in their neighborhood. It's really a a big double-edged sword. Yeah, big time. And, and where do you go, right? Like we, we've seen the whole, you know, green belt, let's call it scandal happen, right? Uh, Where, where we understand that, you know, we're in a housing crisis still just because uh, housing affordability and, um, and, and because the, the housing market isn't what it once was back in early 22 does not mean we're out of a housing crisis. We're still in a housing crisis. We still need to find a way to build more homes faster. We need to find a way to create more rentals faster, but what, what's, what's the right way to do it. Right. Um, and, and, and turning, turning all these single family detached homes into triplexes and, um, fourplexes, like, you know, is that the right way to do it? Um, we, we don't know, but, but yeah, the, the, the people, you know, in terms of seeing their neighborhoods, um, turn into, turn into these multi-level multi-unit houses. I think for some people, it's very difficult to, uh, to understand and to see. So, you know, we're, you know, as we navigate through this, like, and we'll call it again, through this housing crisis, it's, we're trying to find the, the right way to do it um, and the correct way to do it. So, so like you said before, that everyone has a place to live in, and, um, and, and it is affordable. So back to this uh, poll regarding higher density homes. There was a poll uh, conducted by Polera that said 60% of Canadians say they support increasing density in cities across the country, but only about 20% said it would be a good thing if it happened in their neighborhood, replacing a single family home with a uh, a triplex conversion, if you will. And about 43% yeah. of Canadians said they would view a triplex replacing a single family home on their block as a bad thing. But here's the reality, Phil, yeah. and you know, you know this more than anybody else supply of homes is down skilled labor force there's fewer of them there's a government red tape up the yin yang there's fewer municipal planners out there uh helping to cut that red tape it, uh, you talk about the housing crisis there are multi-levels to this yeah big time and it's where do you start right where what what situation or, or what level do you tackle first to to try and increase this this situation and increase the the feasibility of of the situation everyone's going through it right now every municipality is going through it right now and it's it's everyone's trying to figure out what is the right way to tackle this problem um and and i think when when these surveys are talked about i think the the common um idea is that you know, investment properties are not taken care of and they're run down and it's, it's 
you know, nice neighborhoods are going to be ruined and, and things like that. But there's, you know, th- you know, and then and then you, you can get into parking, right? Like, you know, if the average driveway can only fit one to two cars, well, if you got, you know, three families living in, in, in one house, well, where's everyone? Like, you know, there's so many layers to this, to these problems. And I think when you look back, it, it, it's 20 years of all the the things that you just highlighted and and it's 20 years of 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 continuing that type of cycle and it's it's this is where we are now so when you look back now we're now we're we're it's completely caught up to us um in terms of the, the municipal red tape and and the government's you know not being accepting of, of certain styles of housing and things like that it's completely caught up to us so now we got to go into overdrive and try and catch up because we are now in a housing crisis, right? And and you know, do we do we you know in terms of you know using our paintbrush and, and completely changing all the rules and laws and bylaws, you know, what's the ripple effect of that? And I think this is one of them, right? Um, and and I think you know it's there. There's no right answer. I think you know every municipality is going to have their own situation of of what's going on. We've seen you know, rent control uh, completely taken out of, of buildings that are built after 2018. That's one thing that the, the government, you know, changed to be able to, to increase the, the rental apartments and, and have more housing. So, you know, we're, we're forever changing, we're forever adapting. Um, but it's, it's, it's what, what are the ripple effects going to be? And I think when you, when you reflect on the last 20 years of, of the development of cities and municipalities, this is, this is a result of it. And, and you can't have, you know, this mass immigration without continuing to build homes. It just, it doesn't go hand in hand. And I think we're seeing the, the effects of it today. You mentioned the one word that also is playing a part in this. And I want to tackle that next year on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Phil Golfy, sales representative, Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. Call them today if you want to sell your house or you're in the market to buy a house. You're going to be calling the number one Remax team in Canada. That's the Golfy team, 905 575 7700, online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G O L F I.com. Check them out on Facebook, TikTok. TikTok, Instagram, Threads, and X. And if you have a question or a topic idea you would like us to tackle on a future program, send the Golfy team an email, questions at robgolfy.com. In our previous segment, we were talking about the housing crisis in this nation, and it's obviously short supply, not enough people building these homes, in some cases, not enough places to build these homes. There's government red tape, there's fewer municipal planners helping along in that process, and and, and Phil, before the break, you mentioned the one word that I was going to pounce upon, and that is immigration, because we heard earlier this week from Mark Miller, the immigration minister, who doubled down basically on Canada's immigration targets, 485,000 newcomers to our country next year. The plan is to welcome in half a million in 2025 and 500,000 more in 2026. So within the next three years, 
one and a half million people will be coming to Canada. Not not all, obviously, to Hamilton, but to Canada. That's going to add further strain to this country. And the reasoning is, hey, we need more skilled laborers. We need other uh, professionals in this country to help with uh, certain aspects of of, uh, the working world. But it's going to have a severe impact on housing. Yeah, the Liberals have been on record stating that they're going to they're going to you know build our economy through immigration and this they they've been upfront and open about it and in these when you hear about these numbers of people that are immigrating to canada it, it is staggering and the next question is well where are they all going to live mm-hmm. and where are they all going to go and we we continue to be in the middle of a housing crisis we continue to talk about how many homes we need. The federal government is, is, has, has all these plans and, um, you know, these build more homes ideas and, and, you know, programs, which is great and everything. But when it comes down to the, the municipal government in terms of pushing these, these homes across and, and, and trying to develop these areas and, and um, you know, building more homes, building more communities, there's just too much red tape around it. So there's, there's not this flow of information or there's there's it just feels like not everyone is on the same board um in terms of in terms of doing one thing and having a reaction to the other so it's 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 hard it's hard to read it's hard to understand and it's um you know where where are we going to be in in two to three years from now when we we have 1.5 more million people in our in our cities in our municipalities and what are we what are we doing to plan for them? And it's just not housing, right? It's, it's infrastructure, it's roads, it's bridges, it's, it's, you know, communities, it's schools, it's playgrounds, it's part, like, what are we doing to being able to be proactive and understanding that this many people are coming into our, our area? How are we, how are we building up our communities to be able to support that? And I just, you know, you look around and you just, you just don't see it happening. And, and you can start from the housing area. You, you, you just don't see these communities being built. Housing starts are down right now, right? The, the cost of building the, the current market right now, we've seen, you know, uh, we've seen condo projects not get off the ground. We've seen, you know, both in Hamilton and, and more notably Toronto right now. Where, where are we going to be as a housing market when, when these, when these, you know, when, when our population is increasing this much, um, this quickly? So, you know, when when we look at it, it's you know, is it going to get harder for the first time buyer to get in the to get into the market? Is are are the are the young you know Canadians today are are is home ownership still a possibility for 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 them? Right? It's um, you know, so many unanswered questions. But it's it's what are we doing to be able to develop our communities to support this population growth um, in our communities? And I think it comes down to the municipal level of government. In, in in making sure that they're they're addressing this and and not removing some of the red tape but but having the infrastructure within their organization to be able to to help um, developers push along projects and and help these housing starts so that so that we are ready for them when uh, when 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 our population does increase by by you know as you said 1.5 million in, in probably the next three years. 
One of the best headlines I saw about Canada's immigration plan, I think it was in the National Post a few weeks ago, and it basically, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said, so we're bringing in one and a half million immigrants over the next three years to basically build their own homes because they're going to need a place to live at the end of the day. And right. and those numbers are going to be, I think, challenging, especially for home builders to keep up with. Uh, they're already behind the eight ball. But let's continue this conversation on the other side of the break. And I'm also going to give you a scenario of what these immigration numbers might look like and what we have already come to see. We might see a lot more of that. And we'll tackle that next here on the Golfy Real Estate Show. Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. And last go round here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Phil Golfy, sales representative, Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfy team. Check them out on the internet at robgolfy.com. That's Rob G O L F I.com, the hottest listings in town at robgolfy.com. Call the number one Remax team in Canada at 905 575 7700. That's the number to the Golfy team, 905 575 7700. They're dominating X and Instagram, Facebook threads, and TikTok. Check them out. Give them a follow as well. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about Canada's immigration targets, looking at bringing in upwards of 1.5 million immigrants to this nation over the next three years, basically half a million uh, each year over the next three years. And that is certainly going to well, cause more consternation in regards to Hamilton's housing crisis or Canada's housing crisis. And we're certainly feeling that here in Hamilton. But this is the scenario I see. And we're already seeing it. I, I just think it's going to erupt even more so. And that are, that is people renting out parts of their homes in bits and pieces, whether it's mm. a basement, a room, a garage, um, for whatever the sum of money is, that is just not going to be an acceptable place for an individual, but that's all that is on the market and they'll have to jump at it. We're seeing it here, there and everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, that was, that was the beginning of Airbnb. That was the, the You're entire right. yeah. point of, of Airbnb in, in terms of their initial business model was to help someone rent out a portion of their home that they're currently living in and, and turn it into a little bit of an income generator. And it would be a shared style of, of home, but, but Airbnb has taken off and has developed into luxury vacation rentals and so on and so forth. But the initial business plan was rent out a room or rent out a basement or, or rent that out. But, but yeah, you're right. We're seeing now these, these listings posted online, whether it's Facebook marketplace or Kijiji or, or what have you. Um, and, and people are now looking to, to alternative solutions. And I think this is just a, a result of, of what's going on in our current, our current, um, you know, society in terms of where interest rates have gone, where cost of living has gone. And, and, and for some people, you know, the difference of them being able to, to hold on to their house and currently live in, in the same house that they're living in would be renting out. Uh, a, a bedroom or renting out a basement or, or, and, and sharing their living space with someone else to be able to, to afford their home. I've seen, you know, garages turn into, you know, really nice, beautiful bedroom suites. So that's what, uh, you know, that's, that's what's going on right now. And, and, and it's, I think it's just, um, the reality of our current landscape in society, right? And in terms of our economic society 
everyone's feeling the pinch right now and and i you don't you don't have to be an economist to to understand what's going on um you know i'm in it i'm talking about it every single day i'm talking to different home sellers and home buyers it's gotten really difficult out there for a lot of people who who are are now needing to to you know tighten up in in certain areas and certain aspects of their lives to just to be able to to afford and 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 to be able to get by um and and i'm not talking you know in terms of affordability i'm talking about affording their next mortgage payment affording their next grocery bill affording their next you know cell phone bill or car payment that's where we are in terms of a society today due to the high the high cost of living due to the 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 increasing interest rate um you know, you, you can see it. Like you, you walk through a restaurant; they're not as busy as they used to be. You, 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 you hear about the, um, you know, you hear about the attendance at certain sporting events, right? They're they're having a hard time in terms of getting people into the stadiums and the arenas. Um, there's so many aspects of our life right now that that have been so difficult just due to the cost of living. And I think you know this is a result of of people trying to offset certain costs in their life and and if it's renting out a room or renting out a basement or renting that you know it's it can go a long way um for for someone helping you know to afford their next mortgage payment or or afford their next car payment or put their son or daughter through sports so that's uh this this, it's serious right now and um i think we'll we'll, we're going to see more of this um in terms of a lot more of these style of postings of of people that are are needing to share their home with with people to to uh, to to afford their 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 mortgage, but that's what's uh, that's what's going on right now. I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer to end the show, but uh, you know I'd hate to see, especially in a basement apartment, as an example, and in a, you know an illegal apartment with you know unsafe access to the outdoors should a fire erupt or or you know other things that are just not up to code. I'd hate to see, and I'm sure we're going to see it, you know, something tragic happen. That's the last thing we all want to see, obviously. But we'll leave it there as we're plumb out of time. Phil, I appreciate your time this morning. And a reminder to our listeners, you can listen to the show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfy Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget, if you want to sell your house or you're in the market to buy a home, call the number one REMAX team in Canada, the Golfy team at 905-575-7700 online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I dot com. Thanks for listening to the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition. We're back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. CHML.